Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and joining me from across the pond, he's a statesman to my Kingsman, this guy is the OG superhero, he told me that off air as well. It's John Burke from bookreviews.com, how are you sir? I'm doing very well Matt, how are you doing this afternoon? Or evening, I guess, where you are. It is the evening. I'm doing very well, my friend. We seem to have both had very busy evenings. Um, so I'm quite glad to be here. I know I say it every week, but I genuinely mean I'm very glad to be here to kind of unwind, unravel, let the mind loose and talk about tonight's film. Talk to yourself uh, and in turn, by proxy, talk to all of you guys listening. Uh, no, I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing very well. I've been off work this week, but I'll talk about that more later on. Um, what I do want to know is how are you? Are you keeping Florida safe and well? I am doing my part um, over here uh, this afternoon. Why my afternoon was busy because we're recording about an hour later than we usually record. Yeah, um, I had to say after school, uh, I have my IB film class was working on a project. Uh, I had a group of three should have been four, but one of them was out uh, this week um, working on their their movie. They have a, a their premise was a chase sequence, right? And they had a lot of freedom with how, and they ended up going for like a uh, Michael Myers like kind of stalker esque yep. um, chase, and. Um, so for IB film, there's a lot of requirements that like I can't really help, and they each have to perform their role specifically. Um, and uh, so I was like supervising, but just kind of more or less overseeing, guiding them. They had a plan, but it was definitely it was a little looser than I think they should have had. Um, but they only had like an hour to film this uh, two to three minute chase sequence, and I think we just hit the time. They actually have a couple of shots they got to film tomorrow. Um, but it, I think it's going to turn out pretty good. It, it was seeming pretty. Uh, there's a couple of things that might seem a little silly, but uh, you know, it's it's a student film project, so it's okay if it's a little silly. But uh, they had a lot of fun. Um, I, I had fun being around them and just like you know going through the process and you know trying not to suggest things, but like hinting at things that they could do to uh, to improve the like the shot or whatever. Because again, for IB film, it, this is part of their portfolio. Uh, so over the course of the year, they have to each student has to have uh, experience in three different roles. So like director, writer, sound e- editor, cinematographer. Um, those are the the five core roles, and there's a few other options they can dive into. But um, with those roles in mind, uh, they have to do three more than three projects, but they have to have like a sampling of these different roles, right? Um, and then they they uh, create a portfolio to submit to show like here's what I've learned in as a sound designer, here's what I learned as a director. Here's what I learned as a cinematographer. And one of those roles has to be like their main role. And they have to submit a full movie uh, from that role. Um, so this was project three. Um, so they're building uh, and project one doesn't really count for um, the portfolio. It was like this real simple, cool shot project. It was more or less just getting comfortable with the equipment and stuff. But uh, this chase, um, I haven't seen what the other two groups have, have attempted yet, but uh, I got to work with this group a little bit and we'll kind of watch them go through I think there's some uh, real potential for it to be kind of fun. With JB as their teacher, you know it's going to be good quality, so that's the main thing. But I, 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 I say it a lot, but I'm generally interested in what you get your students to learn. And I know you were teaching them the ways of the biscuit this week as well. Oh, uh, that was brought to me. Uh, one of my students asked uh, what you, uh, the specifically you, Matt, no, uh, what British people called uh biscuits what we call biscuits because they had said something like i'll never be okay with uh cookies being called biscuits that's what the student said well they're cool and then she, she pondered the question of like well what do they call our biscuits so i was like okay well i have a i have a direct line here i'm going to ask 
a British person for you. Um, so I pulled up a gif of, of biscuits. And I, I showed her a picture. I'm like, would you call this our biscuit? She's like, yes. Sent that to you. And you immediately responded back with scones. That's and right. she kind of lost her mind. Because that's yeah, not what our scones are. Uh, here in the States, when we say scone, um, generally they're triangles. Although that's not a requirement. But often, like if you go to like Starbucks or any coffee shop and get a scone, it's almost always a triangle. Uh, they're a lot more dense than our biscuits. Biscuits are often very flaky. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a whole thing, and it's that culture difference. It's always fun. I mean, we've been doing this podcast since 2017, um, in some form or another. Like we've been we've been interacting, and it it never gets old to me uh, <laughs> asking you questions like this. Like um, oh, because same. you would think like after them back. Five years of us communicating and then add in all of the movies I've seen over my lifetime that have British people in them and are set in England and stuff. And I still don't know all of the little, you know, differences between our country and your country and how we call different things. If you went to Queen, or not Queen Elizabeth, uh, rest in peace, you match. If you went to King Charles and gave him a triangular scone, I think he'd... uh think he'd take you to the tower off with your head jb and all that kind of stuff so um it's got to be circular very dense like you say my friend but um no any anytime you need any um anglo uh cuisine named i'm happy to do it for you jb so if any of your students are listening that's fine john has got an open line for biscuit talk um well i don't know if tonight's film had any biscuits and i've got a feeling there was some food in, in this one but we'll find out in a minute for those who are new to the bloody awesome movie podcast welcome we have non-spoiler thoughts and opinions on our main episode and we'll give a spoiler filled mini review in the next few days or so and tonight we are talking about it's a big film another uh, one of them we're getting big films released towards the end of the year this is one of them black adam we are talking about the Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, uh, fronted superhero movie, which has been in the works for 15 years. Uh, the Rock has been telling us every day on social media. It's directed by um, Jamie Collette Serra and written by Adam Zitzkiel. I practice that one off here. Rory Haynes and Sorab Noshevani. And wow. it stars, uh, again, Dwayne Johnson as Teth Adam slash Black Adam. Aldis Hodge as Carter Hall and Hawk, or slash Hawkman. Noah Santinio as Al Rothstein and Atom Smasher. Sarah Shahi as Adriana Tomas. Marwan Kenzawi uh, as and Kenzari, sorry, as Ishmael Gregor. Quintessa. I, I won't say the last part, no, I'll be good. I saw that, yeah. Yep, I'm, I'm on the ball, see. Quintessa Swindell as Maxine Hunkel slash Cyclone. And Pierce Brosnan as Kent Nelson, a.k.a. Dr. Fate. Uh, no, so again, no spoilers on this show. We've just managed to uh, avoid a few there. Um, but we will read the IMDb synopsis, which is says, Nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with the almighty powers of the Egyptian gods and imprisoned just as quickly, Black Adam is freed from his earthly tomb, ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. Now, uh, Dwayne Johnson, has, as I said, has been online championing this film in the last week, uh, as well he should do. You know, it's his passion product. It's his baby. So how well is it doing with critics and audiences? Well, 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, critically. 
uh, factor that against a 90% audience score, JP. That's a huge, huge disparity. Big, big swing, yeah. Uh, Metascore has it at 841. Not entirely surprised by that. Uh, IMDb user score 7.1. Letterboxd 2.9 out of 5. And if you want to watch Black Adam, you're going to have to go to the theatre to watch it because it's the only place currently that you can see it. Now, um, Black Adam isn't necessarily a superhero that I was uh, particularly knowledgeable about i mean i'd only ever really known him because of the campaign led by dwayne johnson over the last uh, well it seems like forever to get this film made so i didn't really go in of any expectations of you know i need it to be like this or it's got to be dark or it's got to be funny or it's got to be this out of the other now it all i knew was dwayne johnson told me the hierarchy of power in the tc universe is about to change so that's all i needed to hear apparently but um black adam went into it without really any expectations and i came out and thought the film was pretty good i thought it was fine um do you know what i mean it's it, to use that much maligned phrase it was above average i thought it's pretty good it had its moments which were i thought very good but it also had some moments which were very bad as well it was a very um it's a very up and down film it's very uh imbalanced but i i enjoyed it mainly because john Dwayne Johnson is Dwayne Johnson's effortlessly likable. You know his charisma, his movie star persona, really helped mm-hmm. sell this film. I mean, it wasn't many times I looked at Black Adam and thought, "Wow, that's Black Adam." A lot of the time, I did think, "Wow, that's Dwayne Johnson in an even tighter suit." But there's something about him. You know, it's you just like the guy. You're almost you're almost rooting for this anti-hero, this villain of the piece against the Justice Society made up of all of those characters I've just mentioned, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Atom Smasher, Cyclone. Basically they turn up, they, they're, they're, they're kind of tasked to stop Black Adam. You know, his, his justice is built on rage and revenge. And they're of course the good guys, the superheroes. And they're like, well, we can't be doing this. So they go to stop him. And therein lies the kind of superhero character of the film. But then we also get introduced to a, they kind of go for this grounded view with um, Adriana and her son, Amon, played by uh, Bodhi, Bodhi Sabangui. And these, this is the part of the film which I thought was awful, frankly. And I, I, I never like ragging on younger actors, but I did think that Bodhi Sabangui was dealt the worst hand in this film. He was given some bad lines, and the worst part is a lot of them were ADR'd badly as well. So he's, he's been brought back in to read even worse lines or to read what they think were better lines. And just his kind of... Uh, the way he interacted with the characters in the film and the way he his character kind of went the path he took in the third act just felt very stupid in a film which in itself was quite a bit daft at times you know it's guys get godlike powers and you know you you, you got to try you got to there is going to be an element of disbelief to it but just that character of um Ammon felt unbelievable it just felt silly uh, and you know sadly some of that that was down to the performance. I thought Aldous Hodge was very good as Hawkman, and I thought Pierce Brosnan was very, very good mm-hmm. as Doctor Fate. Yeah, I really yeah. thought he bought a a gravitas, and he bought all of his chops to the role here. Everybody's very committed to their roles. You know, I'm not as much as I'll rag on some. Everybody's in on this. There's nobody kind of hamming it up or, or phoning it in. There's a real good performance. There's good chemistry between some of the cast. I think the jokes, to be fair, a lot of the jokes I found were quite good. You know, the humour I found fairly decent in this film. I thought the action was pretty good. It got a bit repetitive towards the end with whom was being fought against. But I thought Black Adam's intro scene was nothing short of badass. I thought that was 
an excellent year. That that felt like The Rock was saying, look, I've been waiting, yeah, 15 years for this. We are going to make my introduction the most BA thing you got you guys have seen this year in a superhero film. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it, my friend. It was, it was a satisfying film. I'll say, I thought the villain angle of it was not very good. I didn't, I thought the villain again, like in a lot of superhero films or just franchise yeah. films was, was rushed. It, or it felt unearned or undeserved. You know, that, that, that's something that really needs to be worked on in, in all of these kind of films, not just Marvel. It's, you know, Star Wars, yep. DC, whoever, um, that 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 bit did that didn't satisfy me. I'm aware this is a DC film before anyone jumps on that, but yeah, it, it's heavy on exposition as well, which kind of bogged oh. worried me a bit in the beginning. But John, I thought this. I put the last line of my review was Black Adam delivers just enough to be on the right side of entertaining, but only just. It's not a perfect superhero film. No, far from it. It's kind of like the yin to the yang of Shazam and Superman. Now, I much preferred Shazam to this film, but mm. you know. Who, who the hell is going to take Black Adam down? That's that's uh, well, that's, that's what I'm waiting to see. If, if the world hasn't realized yet that David F. Sandberg is a legit talented director, yeah, um, and that might be the big difference with this movie. I'm not super familiar with the director from this film, but I do think that uh, you see influence. You see movies that he's clearly loved growing up and has, or maybe even from the last ten years, and borrowed from. Um, heavily Terminator 2, right? Like the script yeah. and yes. then the way it's shot with, with Amon, they really try to recreate the John Connor, John Connor and Terminator dynamic. It does and work. The, the rock part works, right? The rock nails it. The rock trying to do the catchphrase is hilarious, but I don't care about the relationship with the kid, right? Like I don't buy the relationship with the kid. I not one second in Terminator 2 ever doubt Arnold's you know, compassion and interest in John Connor. Mm -hmm. And he's a stoic robot, right? Like there's never, despite that, you're still like, no, no, he clearly cares about this kid for some reason because he's the savior of mankind. You know, like that whole movie has an interesting dynamic. The mother dynamic, obviously you have the baggage of the first film, which this film tries to uh, shorthand the relationship with the mother and, and black Adam and that, and there's just not the dynamic, right? Like you have that intrigue of can Sarah Connor, co-work with the man who tried to kill her and you know that's that's because there's a whole film before it right this like a lot of the dc movies they're trying desperately to shorthand content into a single movie and a lot of times it ends up feeling overstuffed this movie doesn't feel overstuffed but it is relentless like the movie starts really quickly and it just non-stop things are happening 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 and sometimes those things are huge exposition dumps because they're trying to retrofit stuff into the movie um i do think the rock is really good uh there is a quicksilver-esque action sequence because he's super fast and we've already to be fair to the dc universe they have established what super speed looks like in the dc universe because of the flash and I think they do it justice here. I think it's like, yep, yep, this is familiar to how Zack Snyder's movie showed The Flash. I haven't seen The Flash yet. We were supposed to, but we haven't. Um, I don't know if that will be good as a movie. And of course, I don't know with the baggage, but I'm expecting to see the same visual language there. But this one did feel very much like they watched Days of Future Past. We're like, hey, let's do that. Um, which is fine. And some of those moments were pretty funny. Um, but, you know, it's whatever. Um I, I liked Aldous Hodge. That dude's a terrific actor. Yes. I didn't love what they did with Hawkman. I felt like... Uh, I'm not super familiar with any of these characters. I've definitely... 
I've seen them in things. I've read some comics with them. I am not, uh, none of these are my favorite characters. I know nothing of Adam Smasher, actually. I have no clue if I've ever read anything with him. I, I know I'm not Adam. I'm after this either. Um, yeah, and Cyclone, I'm wondering if Cyclone is this character or if this is a spin on the Red Cyclone, which was a uh, Android character that had cyclonic powers. I'm not sure. Hmm. I've not done any research, but I don't believe I was familiar with Cyclone. But Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. I want a freaking prequel movie to this. Like I want just a Dr. Fate movie. Cause I like Dr. Fate as a character anyways. Um, I would love to tie in with Constantine and Pierce Brosnan nails this role, dude. Like the elder statesman, like superhero dude, are you kidding? He was so cool as the, in this and like the scenes where he, like he steps in and like takes the helmet off and just like seamlessly walks. Oh, Oh, that's, that's so good. Like it's just all oh, moments. As far as the, the ratings, I don't think this is top tier DC, but I do think it's in the middle. I don't think this is the bottom tier of the DC universe by any means. Um, I do think Shazam is in like top three. Really what I think, film. what I think Shazam does really well is I felt like I understood Mark strong as a villain in that movie. I understood why they were up against each other here. We are, we understand it only because of long winded exposition. Right. And the big complaint that, all of this, I think all superhero movies at this point is the CG element of it. At some point you're almost going, why isn't this just animated? Because so much of what we see, it looks like CG. Like there's no way that's a, you know, these people are all flying around. There's all this stuff, which it's not that it looks bad. I actually, I didn't think the CG looked terrible at any real point in this. And uh, unlike a lot of the Snyder movies and even Wonder Woman, the first one, um, I don't feel like when the, the big fights happened that the world turned to mush. Like, it felt like there was still, like, a city that we were in. It wasn't just clouds and lightning and yeah, stuff. it wasn't just damage everywhere, yeah. And, and considering that Black Adam is a magic character with lightning abilities, it could have just been that, right? He could have cast a spell, everything's in fog, and it's all green screen. They did a better job with stuff like that. There's some practical elements around the world, but there's still... Most of the action is clearly CG, and no other way to do it. Like, there's just no... You know, even the hand-to-hand stuff, it's he's at super speed or he's flying while he's doing it. So you can't have a grounded, you know, hand-to-hand combat type of thing. And I do think it hurts. So, like, when I watch Blade, as 90s as that movie feels, <laughs> when he's fighting, it feels like we're watching a martial art movie. And that's one of the things I loved about Blade as a kid was it felt like a martial art film with comic book elements. Now we're at a point where it's it's just, you know, CG characters hitting CG characters. And I'm not against it but i do see why so many people are burnt out on it and we're getting anywhere from three to six of these superhero movies a year now between marvel and it looks like dc is going to start pumping up their their uh their progress mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i i enjoy these stories i love comic books i've always have you know some of uh, some affection for these characters no matter how, how old i get and so i'm i'm not opposed and i did have i would say i had mostly fun with this i do think like you said it gets a little repetitive. I think maybe this movie goes a whole scene too long, maybe an act mm. too long. Yep. Like it feels like it could have ended and they did the thing that movies do where they're like, ah, ha ha. And you're like, oh, but, but why They're Like, what couldn't we have done this already? And then done the last part. Like it feels tacked on at times. And there's definitely stuff they don't address in terms of like the world building and uh, in terms of the, the overall DCU. Cause we know that this is, there's there's characters in this movie um some in the trailer 
that we know exist in other DC movies. Uh, Amanda Waller being the one. I, yeah. I, she's in the trailer, so I don't feel like that's any kind of a spoiler. Yeah, no, no. Um, and it's Viola Davis, who we've seen do this role now many times. Like, it's yeah. crazy. The caliber of actress doing this bit part in all of these DC movies. Like, she's like the one thread in all of these movies at this point. Um, but, so we know it's in that universe, and yet there are things where we're like, hmm feel like we got to address a couple of things like just because of this coexistence uh but you know what when we get to our headlines we can talk about why i'm hopeful that this movie won't be uh well the last one of these uh that we're gonna maybe start to write this ship yes my friend um and i was just looking whilst you were talking uh some of the films that have come out this year uh in the superhero genre and um on on your comment about colette sarah uh, jeremy colette sarah he directed jungle cruise and orphan i want to say as well the original on that not that awful first kills um from the other week but uh so oh and the shallows i'm sorry i i and oh, yes which i think the shallows is a really well done movie. I, I think very solid pull back a little bit jungle cruise was fine right like I, it wasn't yeah. good it wasn't terrible um it exists and i have i have more issues with orphan but i think maybe because i knew the twist going into it that i was like less impressed by it but i also the commuter not a good liam neeson not movie bad though but not bad i haven't seen nonstop or unknown though or run on that he did four of the the taken knockoffs i didn't realize that um because I, I say taken on a train, taken on a plane, uh, <laughs> taken at a club, and then whatever. I don't know what unknown is. Um, taken, but I forget. Well, I don't know. Um, yeah. That's uh, taken, colon, unknown. So well, um, the point is, JP, is I think. Oh, taken in a coma. It's taken in a coma. That's even Because he's in a coma. That's, yeah. that's, that sounds even crappier. But, well, he's just, this is probably Back Adam's clearly better than those films. Um, well, I think we'll both agree that the Batman is probably the best superhero film of 2022. But looking at Black Adam's competition for this year, you've got Thor, Love and Thunder, which I thought wasn't very good. You've got Multiverse of Madness, which I didn't think was great. Morbius, like which that. is, well, you know, it's Morbin time, but Real bad. it wasn't great. Um, Samaritan, not very good. Um, Secret it? Headquarters with Owen Wilson. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then did the DC League of Super Pets, which was a lot of fun. Um, and in two weeks. And in two weeks, Black Panther, Wakanda forever. So as it stands, my friend, Black Adam for me is the second best comic book film of the year or third, probably behind DC League of Super Pets and the Batman. Um, I, I hope, I imagine Black Panther will um, dethrone it from third position at least, but we'll see. Yeah, I think so. I would like to point out though, spoiler, uh, you were introduced to Black Adam in DC League of Super Pets post-credit sequence, if you watch that. Of, of course, how could I forget? I was, yes. Black Adam was in that uh, film in the post-credit sequence, and for those wondering, uh, it's, it's a comic book film without saying anything. There is a post-credit scene in this film, which, um, just, just hang around, check it out. We'll mention talk about which, that more in a spoiler episode. Yeah, we will, but it, if you are on any social media, it has been spoiled. I mean, it's been spoiled by the by the trades, immediately which i think is and, awful but also now at this point by the studio like they have they have started talking about things we still won't say it in case you've managed to not see it but there is anything with warner brothers or dc and like you said the trades there is no question about what the the post credits is and this movie's only been out for a week so yeah a little early uh given, I, mean, I guess it's bad you know poor form man i mean to be fair the rock himself said it 
before the film came out, which was very surprising. But I, I really get annoyed at the, the big trade uh, Hollywood Reporter deadline variety uh, and, and other uh, miscellaneous internet uh, websites um, just posting images and talking about you know what happened to, to to make things work and blah blah blah. It's like guys, I mean this film's literally been out for a day and okay after my, after like a week, I'm, I, I kind of think well it's it's still not fair game, but yeah. the argument that you know the the the, the quote unquote hardcore if that sort of thing probably would have seen it by then and th- those who want to avoid it would have would have found out by now because they've seen it unless of course. Um, life gets in the way which is as we know can happen but not not on the same day or even a day later jb that's poor i agree so um do you have anything else to add to black adam in the non-spoiler section before we jump ship no i'm ready to move forward it's ready to move forward. So we'll talk about spoilers more on Monday and including the, any post credit scene. And we'll go into our thoughts more on the things we didn't, didn't like. So uh, before that, let's jump into our next segment, which we call Chuffed Headlines. It's a movie or pop culture news that caught our attention for any reason, really. And we like to share it with the entire world. So, John, what you checked out this week? So the headline that caught my eye, which you also sent me, but it was all over the, the trades immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, DC uh, earlier this week, they're, they're the guy in charge of the, the DC movie division at WB left. I forget his name. Didn't know it. Uh, um, and the new announcement was that James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to be co-CEO and co-chair, I believe, is the, the two uh, titles yeah. um, of the DC film division at Warner Brothers, which if you have seen James Gunn's uh, Suicide Squad and most importantly, his peace, uh, Peacemaker, Peacekeeper. Peacemaker. Peacekeaker. Peacemaker. I don't know. The P-E-A-C, uh, that piece, uh, with John Cena, the TV series on HBO Max, which was yes. such a surprise, amazingly great show. Like, not only is it everything you expect from James Gunn, but it went, like, the humor was outrageous. Like, so good. I loved his Suicide Squad. Um, I thought Idris Elba as, um, I don't remember what that character's Dead called. It's not a character. No, it wasn't Deadshot. Dead, no, no, Deadshot's from the other one. Um, it's a gun it's a sim- it's clearly the dead shot knockoff so because they were used dead shot. But I loved Idris in that. Um, I thought all the characters they introduced were really cool. There's some amazing stuff in that movie. It's really, really good. Um, not to mention some of the best, as James Gunn has proven, uh, needle drops in cinema, right? That dude yes. is masterful with soundtrack selection. Uh, obviously, James Gunn's been around. Um, you know, we get Guardians of the Galaxy 1, 2, and now we're getting 3, which we didn't think we were going to get James Gunn's Guardians 3. We also got this week the Guardians Christmas uh, special trailer. I'm sure Feige has to be furious that James Gunn is going to be like all over Marvel, and yet he's going to be now basically the Kevin Feige of the DCEU. Yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised that Gunn did this, because it sounded like he was ready to kind of back away from the comic book thing after he did Guardians 3. Money talks. But, but also, the dude clearly has a vision, and DC's let him get away with some wild stuff. Like, <laughs> like P- Peacemaker and Suicide Squad take some swings that a comic book company generally wouldn't want to be associated with um, on that scale. And the thing that bugged me, though, I saw one of the many uh, clickbaity headlines where, like, indie filmmaker takes over DC. I'm like... I don't know if you still can call him an indie filmmaker yeah. at this point. Like, did he start as an indie filmmaker? Yeah. But he's been doing this now for 10 years almost, like, making big blockbuster movies. Um, I don't remember the last indie film he made. I don't think he's done one since... Like, he's produced several. 
but I don't think he's directed any of the smaller films. Like he didn't direct Brightburn. Um, Super was before Guardians, and so was Slither. Right? Like I, I don't think I, I could obviously look, but all I'm I'm a huge James Gunn fan, so I am all in on him being in charge of DC because I I think he wouldn't have taken it if he doesn't have a vision, and he's to me proven that time and time again. Guardians too, I thought really cemented that though because he clearly has a story to tell with the guardians that he wants to work out um, something that our Halloween directors, we thought they had a story to tell only to find out they just had random ideas. They wanted to put into a film. No idea. Gunn seems to have a very cohesive vision for his stories. Um, so I'm excited. What, what are your thoughts, Matt? Uh, no, I am excited about this. I think it's a very good move. I think what DC have realized is that, yeah, they, they could get the corporate men in or the suits in to make the, corporate commercial decisions that they think will make money and it hasn't worked or they could get somebody in who has knowledge of how the industry works has delivered content for them and for their you know their rival studio if you will um and like you say has a vision has a plan is a bit out there he might do he might be able to steer you in a direction where you get good quality films that are slightly different from the formulaic mode that we've come to see i think it's a good move john uh, yes, James Gunn hasn't necessarily had experience of running a an IP or a, stu- like a, uh, a studio um, spin-off, but doesn't matter. You got to learn somewhere. Uh, Feige didn't either. Um, I think it's I think it's good. I think they just basically wanted to get somebody with insider knowledge. Of course, he is a co-chairman, so there's, there's going to be uh, another another brain in there, possibly more in the background than James Gunn will be. Uh, but I, th- I think it's good. I think it's good having James Gunn as the Kevin Feige, as kind of the public face. There, there's a kind of a trust now with him. The Guardians films, like you say, are are very, very well thought of. Uh, the Suicide Squad was seen as almost a miracle for, for yeah. the most part, given Suicide Squad a couple of years ago, which I don't think was as awful as everybody said. But the Suicide Squad, you know, is a step above. Um, I think I think it's only a good move, JB. I think it's get, getting somebody in who knows. The industry getting somebody who has a to me he feels like he's got his finger on the pulse of what the fans want but at the same time also is aware that you know you gotta you gotta deliver a quality story first fans not second but the fans are the next run down rung down but he he he's aware you know he has a presence online he knows what the fans want and i think it's i think it's going to be a good thing jb the, the the proof will be in in the results and in what comes from the studio under their kind of co leadership but i'm excited man and feige himself came out i think today maybe and said you know look james is he's got a lot of work to do with marvel with guardians 3 and he knows that but then once that's all said and done i'll be the first in line to watch whatever he whatever he you know conjures up you know with dc basically he said um i paraphrase but that those first few bits are exactly what he said so you know feige's publicly throwing his support out and you know feige always comes across as a decent guy i mean why would he he does yeah why is he going to come out and say this son of a uh, you know betraying us no he's just a he's just a man who has probably been offered a lot of money as well but i think he's i think he inspires confidence john that's the main thing i agree and you know the the last couple and we're we're expecting shazam to uh i it looks it looks like it's in the same vein. I'm a little nervous about some of it because there is a lot yeah. of threads. It seems like that movie's trying to weave together. Um, and then I I thought Aquaman got a lot of over 
positivity. Like, I thought it was fine, but I thought, like, I feel like it's just hard to make it look cool when they're underwater. I just think it looks real cheesy. And I don't know if Aquaman 2 is going to be better or worse um, than the first one. Um, I continuously lose faith in James Wan as a director, but that's obviously a taste thing. Um, I like a lot of his early stuff. I think he's gotten... I don't know, worse um, <laughs> to me. I know a lot of people did love uh, whatever that crap was last year, but um, I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens with the DC universe. I want it to do well. I, I cause I got to watch them. So I want them to be good. That's my take, you know? Yeah. No, I hear you, JB. Most of uh, to be fair, uh, on paper, I prefer uh, the Matt, DC what, uh, for the most part of this? their characters. Um, but then, I would have, you know, before 2007, Uh-oh. I wouldn't have really known many of the Marvel ones already cared about people like Iron Man, etc., etc. So that's testament to what Feige's done by giving these characters to the world now, taking them out of the name and giving them to the world. Hey, I can hear you now. Sorry, sir. I didn't mean to talk over you there. My friend, you, you, should, you should never be. Uh, you should never apologize to me, my man. This is the b- benefit of doing it live like we do, in, and also our provider isn't always great just say that now but um yeah dc um this black adam was apparently kick-starting this new phase or wave one of the dcu so let's see what's coming next john um my headline was one i also sent to you more out of incredulity than anything else <laughs> and uh i'm glad this was on the sheet because i would have gone for it and uh, this is this particular article by Ryan Lesson at ign and it says the original jigsaw is returning in the next saw film Original Jigsaw killer Tobin Bell will be back in the next Saw movie. And I mean, the article goes on to say exactly what I would have said. That's right. Jigsaw's back for real. Tobin Bell's going to reprise the role of John Kramer in the next Saw movie. How is that so? He was killed at the end of Saw 3. Spoilers for a film that's very old. Um, I've no idea, basically. I think it's basically because I think the article also alludes to it. The fact that Spiral from the Book of Saw was so poorly received critically and commercially that what do you do what what do you do when um the going gets tough you bring in the legacy characters you bring in the legends of the franchise and tobin bell to most people john kramer is saw you know he's been the architect of all of it and even when he hasn't been in the films his presence is very much known um (laughs) but i think this is a very desperate move from the studio and from the franchise owners, uh, the producers, Mark Berg and Orin Coles have said, it's a thrill to reunite with Tobin, which I'm sure it is, but I don't know the story, but out of context or with the context that we have, this seems like a very desperate move to bring back a character who has been in universe dead for a long time. Um, there's illusions that it could be a prequel. I mean, Tobin was 80 years old. They've already done flashback shots in saw. They put a baseball cap on Tobin bill put it on backwards and tried to pass him off as a much younger man because he had a backwards baseball cap on. It was literally the real life Steve Buscemi, hey there, young fellows or fellow kids meme. That is exactly (laughs) what it was. So I don't know what the context, it could be a prequel or it could be set in between, I don't know, Saw and Saw 2, Saw 2 or 3, whatever. But if that's the case, who cares? Not me, because I know what happens in Saw 2 and Saw 3. And you could level the same at something like a Rogue One. Who cares? We know what happens. Yeah, for me, for me, they pulled that one out of the bag. They could pull. If if it was going to be like Saw 2.5, they could pull it out of the bag and it could be great. But does anyone really care? I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I know I, I get you can level that at every film in the world. Nobody asked for this, blah, blah, blah. 
I think the idea of bringing back Tobin Bell potentially smacks of desperation, John, and a franchise which has run its course. I could be wrong. I hope I am because I'm always I am always cheering on horror from the sidelines, but I don't know, man. This news surprised me. But um, as a newfound horror geek, what are you thinking about the idea that they're going to bring back Tobin Bell, who's been long dead in the franchise? So I initially really liked Saw, like back in the day, right? Like I was a bit like when I saw it yeah. in theaters, I was like, wow, that was really cool. I, I was so thrown by the cool like twist, twist story. Of course, later I would realize that like, well, they didn't really set that up, right? Like it's not a twist so much as it was just like, hey, guess what? Everything you thought you knew was a lie. And it's like, okay, so it's a dream sequence, essentially, even though it's not like that's much, the, yeah. the kind of pull the carpet out from underneath the audience. Um, and that's what the, the whole formula is, right? Like you see the movie, you think you understand. And at the end, they, they try to Steven Soderbergh their way into explaining everything, right? They clearly have realized that this franchise doesn't work without him, though, because mm-hmm. Jigsaw and Spiral were both terrible. <laughs> and both of those movies try to replace him as like someone else has taken on the mantle full on right like no training by them there's a loose connection in spiral but it's really not about that right like it's its own thing and they were both bad i don't necessarily think it's tobin bell obviously i think it's maybe this movie just needs to end like this franchise doesn't need to be a franchise just make another movie about a new serial killer that's not jigsaw like it's not like this guy has he he puts him in a trap like this isn't this isn't some ip that's reliant on jigsaw you know what i'm saying like like predator has to be there because he's the predator and a xenomorph is a xenomorph this is a serial killer who uses traps that is a pretty vague idea of a concept as a franchise i I I mean we we mentioned last week just to interject because i I agree and i disagree on this one Uh, within genre because i mentioned things like jaws and scream and Mm -hmm. stuff like that scream you could lump in with this one but at the exorcist halloween they don't need there was no need for these films to be franchises saw i would argue would be the same but then when you think about it you know jigsaw's whole ip his whole thing is oh i you know i i take down people who i think think have wrong society so i can see where they'd want to do it compared to some other ones but at the same time the first film didn't smack of like franchise i see what you're saying in that he he has a an agenda which that agenda though has been done in a multitude of other formats right like the idea like i mean robin hood you almost described robin hood i'm gonna steal Mm -hmm. from the rich and give to the poor it's like okay granted robin hood wasn't torturing people but nevertheless it's the same general uh motivation right like he thinks he's helping by hurting these people and cool like again i'm not saying don't make more uh, I, I feel like the torture porn genre has faded a little bit in the last couple of years. Like, I think we're kind of tired of cool. it. Um, but uh, Terrifier might say otherwise. I haven't seen it yet myself, <laughs> but um, it sounds like that might be in that realm and it's doing really well in the box office. So maybe that's even more motivation for this. Like, hmm, maybe we need to bring back our guy. I do think as far as narrative and story goes, like you said, it's going to be really, really hard to fit that in. Uh, where it would make sense. Unless, again, we're just getting more. Like, he's left this big of a legacy where he's like, no, I got videos for days. Don't worry. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not hyped for it. I, I think I, I, I checked out of Saw at, like, five. I don't think I ever saw the last official Saw. I did see Jigsaw and Spiral, though, and I was not impressed with either of those. I actually thought 
Spiral was real bad, and I wanted Spiral to be cool because it had like the trailer had like a noir, like a seven kind of vibe to it, and I was like, oh okay, I, I could be in for this take on it, like it, you know, switch it up. Um, and then nah, it it doesn't work. And Chris Rock does like two minutes of stand up at the beginning of that movie that I felt so out of place. Yeah. Um, and he's not a stand up comedian in that movie, for the record, everybody. He's a angry cop, very angry cop, in that very movie. angry. Um. But yeah, uh, I'm not not hyped for it. But whatever, you know they're they're gonna keep doing this because this is what Hollywood does. They don't they don't give people the opportunity. Terrifier being a prime example, like it's an original IP, and it's making money every week. It's growing every week. Let people make movies of their own stories, and then we will like them if we can see them. If you you know, like there's plenty of evidence this year of original IP doing well. There's examples of it not doing well, but I, you know, like it's, it's a, it is a hit or miss. And I know they don't want to put money up on a project that they don't think will hit, but I don't believe Spiral or Jigsaw hit that well by comparison to what like the original Saws did. No, they didn't. And I mean, there was a time when they were releasing a Saw every year in October for Halloween, which was a cool tradition, even though the film has got progressively worse. Um, and I, th- I just think they're trying to tap into that because this film is is scheduled for pretty much this time, end of October 2023. So they know that if they release a film with the word "saw" in it in jigs in jigs or in October, people you know casual film fans, for want of a better term, will go and watch it because hey, look, it's saw. You know, it's it's a fun horror film we can watch. Throw in well, the original Jigsaw Killer, which people will have that brand recognition. They're they're hedging their bits, but what happens though, John? If they make this film, which they are going to, and they bring back Tobin as John Kramer, and the film's probably going to be crap, what then? Yeah. Yeah, what then, indeed? Yeah. Saw ends, or something like that. Um, saw kills, saw ends. We'll see. But um, Well, that's our headlines for the week. Again, as we always f- have with our discussion points, <laughs> for both of them, we probably could have gone on for about the next hour, but we're going to be professional. We're going to cut it. We're going to move on to our next segment which we call media consumption and it's where we talk about the movies tv shows video games music podcasts which aren't ours whatever we've used to pass the time since the last episode so john you've got a big old list as ever what you've been checking yeah. out sir well as per usual i uh listen to blank check podcast um and they did their barry linden episode i'm actually behind on the uh their commentary for the patreon i haven't been able to watch the on, bond john. movies this month because I'm watching a bunch of horror movies this month. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have to wait and get caught up with those. And they also did a commentary on 2010. Is that the sequel to 2001 Space Odyssey? Yes. Yeah. Which is f- surprisingly not bad. I've never seen it. And now I they, know that they did the commentary. I'm going to have to also try to watch that. So I'm like three commentary episodes behind. But um, I also, uh, I mentioned this podcast a few times. I got you to listen to it. Um, but it's the uh, Brett Goldstein's podcast, The Films to Be Buried With. Um, I've listened to the Patton Oswald episode, which I found very great. It's also, uh, at this point, cause I'm, I'm listening, not every episode in order, but I'm listening to episodes I wanted to listen to in order. Uh, so I finally hit a point where one, they're in the pandemic and two, Ted Lasso has come out. Um, but not yet a super mega hit. Like people are raving about it, but only small pockets. I was a part of that early crowd who watched it kind of early. Cause I like Jason Sudeikis. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a chance. And then I was like, wow, this is amazing. And now it's like, everywhere right so it's been fun listening like Patton oswald like congratulates him on, on ted lasso but you can tell it's not quite the level that it will become yet uh and i love hearing that kind of stuff um and then the edgar wright two-part episode um edgar man he's 
not only is he like, obviously he's pretty famous at this point. He's arguably successful. Um, he, and uh, uh, well known, we all know he loves films. Like he's a film nerd. Uh, like Tarantino and him, I think, are easily the two biggest film nerds in existence. Right? Yes. Um, they got together once, didn't they? I think it was on the Empire podcast, and it yes, hell froze over. It was mental. Yeah, and they pushed the uh, the host was basically not in that episode. Yes. Like he's there, but they're just like, no, 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 shut up, guy. Um, but <laughs> Edgar does come off as genuinely kind like just like a a chill dude uh who happens to be a filmmaker um there's almost no pretension about him whatsoever to me like when you listen to him in interviews and stuff he just feels very very genuine uh which might be why i've always connected to his movies is that maybe he is just a normal very earnest um and i really liked uh both episodes and him and brett uh were recording walking around i think regent's park um in london um because uh it was still it was the end of the lockdown but you weren't you were still not supposed to have like large gatherings of people in 2020 i think they recorded in like december um so they're like walking around the park and it's funny because they thought the park would be empty and it turns out everyone had the same idea because you hear like other people passing by like having their own conversations throughout the episode but um uh two full episodes and what i didn't know part of the reason why is brett has uh a patreon which i've not subscribed to but um he included the patreon episode uh, content in this for everybody it was kind of like a sales pitch like here's what you would get if you join and edgar seemed like a, a good person because a lot of people are going to listen to that episode um and you do get there's additional questions that i didn't know uh were on the patreon episodes um and the only thing he doesn't give i guess every uh, guest gives a secret that only the patrons get to know um and that he held so like, i don't know what edgar's secret is but i was like i wonder what like how how willing are, are these guests giving like legit secrets but um if you haven't given that show a listen and you're a film nerd and if you're listening to our show you have to be a film nerd um i say check it out it's really good i i love that brett who i like so much as roy kent um and i think is a very good actor even though i had not seen him in anything prior um and i still haven't seen any of his stand-up i didn't i didn't know he was a stand-up comic until listening to his podcast i really want to go look for his special but um he is a film nerd and I love listening to people who love movies talk about movies because it's what I love. So if you're, if you're into this, check out this, that show. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. John caught me at the right time when I was at work and, um, I was, I was looking for a show to listen to and I know he's going to tell me off, but John mentions to blank check every week. And there's literally, there is no malice involved in the fact that I haven't dove into it i am bloody stupid that's part of the reason and john caught me at work and he was like oh he sent me a link and said oh you know check this out it's it's roy kent talking about films and it took me off guard because he doesn't sound like roy kent either um and it's really good i really enjoyed the conceit the concept of it the idea of it uh, and it was good genuine discussion um so yeah check that out and i will check out blank check i'll be back at work again soon when i have more time to just stick podcasts in my ears well, um, so movie-wise, I have watched uh, VHS 99. Yes, sir. Um, which most of my horror movies have a uh, – There's a. it's tied to the Nightmare on Film Street podcast, 31 Days of, of Horror. Um, VHS 99 was for uh, – um, was it found footage? No, it wasn't. It was uh, anthologies. Um, Dog Soldiers was for my British horror. What did you uh, think? I like Dog Soldiers. Um it didn't pull me in as much as I wanted it to. Uh, but I did like it. Like, I definitely liked it. Um, I still, I, I think every werewolf movie is kind of hurt by my love of American werewolf in London. Cause that movie is 
is so great. Yeah. And every werewolf movie I watch, I'm just like, why? I'd rather watch American Werewolf in London. <laughs> like, why am I just not watching that? Um, which I didn't know. That's one of Edgar Wright's like favorite movies too. I was like, oh, I, I had no clue. But it's it's a it's a film I adore. Um, so uh, staying with the horror though, I watched uh, Prom Night for slasher film. Um, As above, so below for uh, found footage. Um, Good night, mama. Sorry, good night, mommy. The uh, not the new re-release with Naomi Watts, but the original from uh, I believe it's uh, Austrian. Austrian, um, very good. Yes, I'm. I'm glad I watched that one because I've heard the new one is not so great. And it's poor Naomi good. Watts. I, I think Naomi Watts is such a good actress, but she does take some crap movies, man. Um, but you got to work. No, no, no fault to her. But um, every time, like, I want when I see her name on a cast list to be like a sign of, oh, good, it's probably great. And it says like, oh, I better see how other people are talking about this. Um. And then for the goat, the greatest of all time, I put on The Shining, uh, which I had planned to do. Um, I like to rewatch that every once in a while. Dude, I got to say, I, I, I texted you this, but um, listeners, if you have been listening to our show for a while, you know Matt's favorite movie is The Exorcist. And he watches it at weird times that I don't think it was like, when I think of The Exorcist, I'm like, that's a, I want to be scared. And um, I, work once. I threw The Shining on and I was stunned at how I was feeling while watching it. Cause I was like, it calmed me down. Like, and not in a way, like I think the shining is terrifying at times, but there's something about the artistry of it and how I've watched it several times at this point. And just the, the score, which is eerie on purpose, but everything about it, I, I felt comforted. I would mm-hmm. never have thought I would consider a horror movie, a comfort film, but the shining is, and I was well, I was surprised to well, find that out. And yeah, um, I I really I mean I love that movie. I think it is masterful. Anyways, um, I don't know, I don't I don't think it's my favorite Kubrick, but it, it you know what it probably is my favorite Kubrick. I probably want to say like it's two thousand one, but I'm definitely throwing the shining on way more often than I'm throwing on two thousand one. Um, I've only watched Clockwork Orange once. Um, but I, I, I don't. That movie, while I think is really great, I don't think I want to sit through it again. I love sitting through The Shining. Like it's such a such a journey. And there were things I've seen it several times, and there were stuff that I'm like, I don't remember all of this. And I've read the book. Even uh, sorry, hold on, scale that back. I've listened to the book even. And so, like, I know the story, but there was still stuff that I'm like, oh yeah, that and oh this is so cool, and I like this, and I I don't like that, but I think it's cool that it's there. You know, I just. Big fan, but that's where I'm at uh, tonight. I'm going to be watching um, Night of the Creeps. I think tonight's zombie. It's something with zombies tonight, uh, I think. Zomb- uh, or zomb- undead, yeah, or something like that. Like that. that yeah. Um, I've seen most zombies. I I try uh, as much as I can to watch new films. Um, the Goat was to me. I had to watch one that I think is the Goat, right? Like, because that's to me, that's what that me- meant. So I went yeah. with the film that yeah. I had seen. The um, but I've yeah. checked a lot yeah. of new yeah. movies off. Um, non, non list movies. Uh, I went to see clerks three last weekend. Yes, sir. With Kevin Smith and Brian O'Halloran doing a Q and a at the end of it. Um, I, I am, if you, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. There's no secret. I, I have liked most of his movies. I, I really was harsh on yoga hosers. Um, but I think clerks three is, is everything a clerks fan could want. Um, mm-hmm. and I love seeing it on, three big screens because it was at, it's not at a movie theater it was at a like, hard rock live is like a big concert venue so they had three screens so it was technically playing on three different screens um with other kevin smith fanatics obviously everyone there was a big kevin smith fan um 
the people sitting in front of me were super nice because at some point we were talking about something and they um i i messed up and called craig robinson craig t robinson and like obviously like craig t nelson <laughs> oh, just so then it, man. yeah so it became a series of jokes throughout the night where i would say something like uh remember craig robinson in the poltergeist and like uh you know jokes like that um but it was really cool. Excellent time. Kevin outlined his movies. Uh, one of the most surreal things, I don't know if I told you this or not, but Tusk, with an S at the end, Tusks, is happening. A sequel to Tusk, or at least his plan is. Um, but I don't know if I told you this. Uh, recently, I told my IB film a story that I heard uh, on multiple podcasts over the years. This is a legend of James Cameron pitching aliens. And if you've never heard the story, the, the story is that James Cameron went to pitch the idea for aliens, went into a boardroom with Fox executives, wrote the word alien on the board, looked at them, walks back up to the board, writes an S afterwards. And they're all like, ooh, oh, and he nods. He's like, yes, exactly. Then puts two lines, turning the S into a dollar sign. And they're all on board, excited. Yes, brilliant masterpiece. So I told that story like this this year, like within a month ago to my IB film. I'm sitting at the Kevin Smith Q&A. He tells the story about tusks and then makes, then decides to parallel why he wants to call it tusk is because of the James Cameron alien story. And I'm like, he verbatim tells the story that I told to my students. And I'm like losing my mind. Like I, I just told the story in class. Like this is wild that I've now paid for someone else to tell me the story that I myself have told to other people. Like, Again, he told a lot of other stories. I'm not in any way upset about my purchase. I'm just saying, like it was, a, it was a wild experience to have someone repeat something that I have shared mm-hmm. verbatim yeah. uh, on stage in front of way more people, like a thousand people, were at this event. So uh, that was that. And then I think uh, Ticket to Paradise. Um, I saw with my wife. We had a really good time. Uh, I'm sorry, but George Clooney and Julia Roberts are are superstars and i love them so i'm just gonna enjoy what they do i don't think it's a masterpiece of a movie but man is it charming and if you like a rom-com it's really solid last thing uh matt have you seen the endless or sync uh synchronic i have seen the endless i have not seen synchronic i like both um i'm a i i apparently am a big fan of these directors uh they did also i think directed an episode of moon knight um for uh Disney Plus. I think they did. Um, yeah, it's Adam Moorhead and uh, man, I'm gonna forget the other guy. Something. Um, I'm looking it up. Hang on. Uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. Um, they are a team of directors, and they they actually star in uh, the Endless. They're not in Synchronic, or at least they're not in the stars of Synchronic. Uh, you have um, the dude from Fifty Shades of Grey and uh, um, Anthony Mackie. Um, Anthony Mackie's really the lead, and J- Jamie Dornan, Dornan, something Dornan, like that. Yep. Um, so I like Synchronic a lot. I just watched that this month. I I was very into it. And uh, Sean Big Tuna recommended that I get their new movie, Something in the Dirt. I can't talk about it yet because it's still under embargo till next week. But if you like those guys, um, if you haven't seen The Endless or if you haven't seen Synchronic, I highly recommend both of those movies. Um, I think The Endless is maybe. Better in some ways. Um, Anthony Mackie's just really good, though, so I think he's going to give you maybe a little better performance. But if you like those two movies, I'm going to say check out Something in the Dirt. Um, if you don't like those two movies, probably don't check out Something in the Dirt because it's probably not going to work for you. But uh, I can't say anything else. I, I think I'm fair to say that just based on the fact that they're the directors of it. And if you like their other stuff, there's a good chance you'll like their new movie that's coming out next week. Um, but that's everything I've seen, Matt. Uh, what about you? 
Um, I was just looking through all the dogs. I love dog soldiers. You know, it's, it's just so very, so very British working class. It's just stupid. And I really, really like that film. Very quotable. Um, and, and, and per- John Porter is always a, always a win for me. Um, even in something as crap as the invitation we watched this year. Ew. Uh, agree on the shining, my friend. You know, what can you say about the shine? It hasn't been said already, but, um, yeah, the endless as well. I think the endless is really good. Check that out, guys. Uh, for me, a podcast. I don't really think I've listened to any really recently this week. I haven't really had time to sit down and necessarily listen to shows. And um, like me and John texted during the week, saying that sometimes you're just in the mood for music. So I've, I've, I've been throwing music on instead when I've been unwinding in the evening. If I'm not putting the TV on or a film, I've been putting music on and just you know, you know, variety of different music and chilling out to that. But I have watched some stuff, John. I watched episode eight of Andor. Uh, it's getting better and better. Uh, genuinely is now we're into kind of thx1138 territory in this new one uh the latest one the old george lucas's kind of first film um again there's no spoilers and it's come out but show's getting better and better john show's getting better and better and again i don't need stormtroopers i don't need tie fighters and x-wings and all that to give me a good story with characters character driven spy espionage political thriller which most of the time doesn't feel like star wars and i love it because of that um and or best show star wars has ever made uh people should be checking that wow. out more. Uh, it genuinely is as well obviously mando and, and kenobi you're going to get your thrills and spills and they are they're just different shows that's all this is very much yeah. a story you know character driven you could argue that mando is but you know it's about the, it's about the action and the cameos and baby Yoda and and i love the mandalorian with all my heart but i've got to be honest in terms of technical writing story Andor blows all of them out of the water. Really, really does. Yeah. Um, and again, when, when, when it's all said and done, I'm waiting for your review on it, John. Um, uh, Films-wise, I um, I sat down last night with my little one and we watched a very scary Halloween film. I needed to introduce her to the horror genre. I thought, you know, she's six years old now. She's had a good life. Let's get the hardcore stuff on. So we watched Casper. Uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost, which I I watched that when it came out, I think it was 1995, <laughs> Bill Pullman, Christina Ritchie. Um, Devon Sawyer, Devon Sauer, um, Sauer, and you know, oh, good John, I'm not gonna lie, John. I, I, I watched it yesterday, like, I enjoy it. It's, it's not a great film, but I enjoy it still. And my daughter loved it, she had a great time laughing along with this, with um, Stinky Stretch and Fatso, the three ghosts, yes. and some of the silly stuff they were doing. And you know, that's what it's all about. I was like, man, I watched this film 27 years ago, and look where <laughs> look at me now. Um, but I'm like, this is awful. But towards the third act, I'm sitting, I'm getting choked up, man. I'm like, this film's getting me. I thought, and I, and I know I've said it before. I cry at every film in the world now since it's become a dad, but I was like, yeah, blimey, this is, this is just, this isn't heavy stuff, but for some reason I'm, I'm having a reaction to it. And I swear to you, I will find the tweet JB. I swear that somebody else said exactly the same thing online oh. earlier on today. I will find it on my Twitter. I saw it. Somebody said, I watched Twitter and I, you know, it got the third act got me. I was in floods. I was like, Oh my sword! And I got kindred spirit, Jesus. Um, so I don't know what's happening to men of our age, John. For Christ's sake, don't watch Casper, or else you'll be in floods of tears. Um, I too watched. Actually, uh, oh, sorry, go on, sir. No, I I remember Taylor watching it when she was a kid, uh, like a very young kid. She's eighteen now. Um, and yeah, no, it, it's because of the connection with with the daughter and the dad, and like what happens is yeah. very. Uh, unsettling for a minute and um the love of of a father it's very very easy again because you're also like me 
dad with a daughter like you're you're seeing yourself on screen basically i think so i think um it, it, i think it is like that i mean a lot of the films which get me mostly do involve like a, a father-daughter dynamics so it doesn't take a rocket science to work what's going on there but i was like casper really but no it, it did i was like you know when she said you know you've got three old ghosts or whatever who, who's kept their word i thought oh my god oh, those guys yeah. um but you know john i don't want to cry on air um no shame in that but as i said i also watched ticket to paradise and yeah i'm with you on this john i i really didn't really want to see this i saw the trailers and i thought just just you know what's going to happen it just looks just looks a bit you know plastic it looks a bit shiny but i watched it and i was pleasantly surprised like you it's full of charm and for me the majority of that was Clooney and roberts you know they're they're they're, they're a-list you know they're they're vintage they're classic together together they are dynamite and you know a lot of the, the film is for me works because of them uh the other actors in it uh caitlin diva and her um potential husband they're good they, they are good but you know this is Clooney and roberts man you know no one's overshadowing them and you know nope. it's a good film I, I said to you i won't say on air what it was but I, there was one little thing i wish had happened at the end but it wouldn't maybe it wouldn't have been quite as you know that kind of like yes satisfying moment at the end but I enjoy Ticket to Paradise. I will say that as much. Uh, good fun film to watch. Um, I watched Lyle Lyle Crocodile with my little one as well. Went to the cinema to watch that. And um, she enjoyed it very much. Again, had a good old laugh at certain moments of it. Um, enjoyed the songs. And she jumped out of her skin at one point when a crocodile leapt forward to eat someone and was quickly stopped by Lyle, which I thought was secretly quite funny. Um, but I enjoyed it as well. It's it's fine. You know, it's, a de- it's a decent film. It's a... Uh, pretty you know it's, it's fun it's a fun kids film it's it's not going to challenge my top 30 or 40 of the year but i enjoyed it i also this sounds awful but i mean this in the best possible way but i like how they use sean mendes in this film in terms of the fact that he isn't necessarily an actor i like how they utilized him in this film i thought that was quite clever he played to someone's strengths um but yeah lol crocodile was a, again to use that word it is a charming film john it was nice um on the flip side of that, I also watched that film you mentioned, that torture porn epic, Terrifier 2. Um, um, I cut the Damien Leone as the director. Terrifier, I've seen, of, uh, without the clown and all that, and I thought it was... Nah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's Art the Clown is fast becoming a new icon in horror. Um, but the film itself, the first one, had no story. And, you know, some people say, oh, what do you mean? It's just about a killer clown. Like, Guys, come on. There is literally no story to terrify. It is just clown terrorizes two kit, two girls and goes on a killing. So that is literally the story. There's no plot beats. This one that is, you know, they've, they, they stretched it out to nearly two and a half hours. I think there's a joke in there somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there is a story, you know, there's more of a story, there's more of a structure, there's more narrative. Just, I mean, that's not the greatest story in the world, but I appreciate that there is one. And I think it's Lauren Laverne. I think Lauren Laverne is the lead in this. I think she's very good, actually. Art the Clown is horrifying. And the stuff he does is, you know, very, very gory. People have been passing out and all that. I I get what they would do on the big screen, to be fair, because some of the things are awful to watch. Um, But it's not actually, do you know what, John? It's not a bad film. It's disgusting, but it's not a bad film. And I think a lot of that is down to the kind of classic final girl role that uh lauren laverna has with art the clown there's you know there's a it is like a laurie versus michael type thing or sydney versus ghostface where 
you're waiting for the kind of climactic battle or whatever between them or the tete-a-tete. But uh, other than the fact that it has absolutely no no reason to be two and a half hours long, you can take 40 minutes off this and be done with it. I thought it was quite good, actually. Uh, in a year where horror is leading the way in terms of overall, for me, genre, quality, consistency, Terrifier 2 is not bad. It's not a classic, John. It's not an, it's not an epic but it's not bad. If you can stomach it, it's not a bad film. Most of that is down to the performances and David Howard Thornton, who plays art, just how willing he is to just go there. Um, but oh yeah, a very decent film, despite the fact that it is a very disgusting film. And it, I do not recommend it to anyone who has, who has no tolerance for horror whatsoever, because there will be moments where an image is that will stick in your mind for weeks and weeks and weeks and uh, probably give you nightmares too. So steer clear, but it was made for $250,000 on a crowdfunded budget. It's now sitting at over five and a half million at the box office and is opening wider in a thousand cinemas, including one by John. So, yep, I will be seeing that this weekend. I think that's my plan. At least. I mean, I saw somebody online saying, do you need to see terrifier? I don't think so. I mean, someone said yes, definitely, but I think you can kind of pick up the, th- I mean, you can kind of pick it up. They can't, if I remember yeah. right, they kind of start with the end of the last film. And Tuna know, said to Tuna basically told me what I needed to know from the first one. And yeah, he's like, okay. and there you go. So yeah, basically that, that, yeah, there's a few, there's a few beats from a non-existent story, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a nice film, but I didn't hate it, John whatsoever. So um well, that's what we've been consuming this week. But what have we been doing to keep ourselves in bloody awesome shape? We've got to stay bloody awesome to do this podcast. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? Well, I mentioned IB Film earlier. And uh, while all my film classes are doing something right now, um, IB Film, uh, we're in the middle of a Hitchcock study, which is a topic that I have put a lot of time into. I've watched mm-hmm. Hitchcock films in, in mass. I haven't seen all, but I've seen many. Um, and I still own a few that I got to still get to, but I've, I mean, I've seen the lodger, his silent film from the thirties. Like I've, I've expanded my Hitchcock knowledge anyways. And I, I've listened to the entire secret history of Hollywood, uh, Hitchcock series where he goes in depth about these, uh, figures from Hollywood. I've watched recently the 2012 Hitchcock movie, um, about the making of psycho. And this week, uh, they watched Psycho. Um, in fact, two days ago they watched Psycho, and uh, it's it's so cool to watch a room full of seventeen year olds watch a movie from nineteen sixty and be engaged yes. the entire time. And the and twist, John, see, they see it. Uh, they did not know it was coming. Um, it was quite uh, compelling. I love watching. Um, I don't want to spoil Psycho, even though it's you know fifty years, sixty years old. Um, but. Uh, it is um, it is very cool watching both because there's technically two twists, right? Like there's the big middle uh, twist, and then there's the final twist, and it's it's cool watching them start to piece it together. And then even they never fully get what's happening in that last moment where they they always laugh for a second. Because I've taught this a few times, they laugh for a second, and then they're like, "Wait a minute." what am I looking at? And then they yeah. start processing and then you get the, uh, the big, the debated um, exposition dump at the end of psycho. Some people think it works really well. Some people hate it because it's so, it's so counter to the Hitchcock's method of storytelling that you have a character just, here's the movie you just watched. Let me explain what you saw in case you haven't been able to figure it out, which you definitely can. I think you can put together what the movie's saying without the psychiatrist 
walking you through it, but I actually love that monologue and I'm, I'm all in on it. Like, so I'm like, okay. Plus it's one of the best final shots in cinema, right? Like with come on, yeah. it's looking at the camera and the, and the voiceover it's immaculate. And they, they were, uh, we actually had to stop. They haven't finished psycho. We have to do the monologue. They, a couple of them couldn't wait and they went and watched the monologue on their own. Cause we ran out of time. Nice. Uh, but tomorrow we're going to watch the last 10 minutes of the movie, but they, we were able to get to the psychiatrist walking in and going, um, I just talked to Norman Bates's mother and, uh, that's where we had to stop. So we'll finish that tomorrow. But again, I think two of the, the, them already have finished it. So, um, but masterful, uh, as always, I love talking about Hitchcock. I love turning a new generation of people into fans of his work. He, a troubled figure to say the least, but as far as like his films, uh, they're, they're so amazing. So I love showing them. I love studying them. I love, uh, I have one of the students in this class has become obsessed with black and white films. And I think it's so cool. Like, I don't think I've ever met a student who has been so into black and white where she's like mad when we watch colored films now. Like, she's <laughs> like, why, why don't we watch only black and white? I'm like, well, most people don't feel that way. So that's impressive and keep doing it. Like I had just, I showed a clip of Dr. Caligari and she's watched it like three times since I showed it to her like two months ago. So Dude. it's wild to me to have like hooked someone in that hard with old movies, but it's really cool to watch. So yeah man um get to get him to watch the sequel as well i'm sure you've heard of it but the sequel is uh surprisingly very good um which how do you follow up psycho well they did it in with psycho 2 it's a very very good sequel to the point where some people you know fairly renowned people say really? psycho 2 is the better film by you know, i i believe i've seen all four but i saw them as a kid, like, I actually saw two, three, and four, I think, without seeing one as a kid because my mom was watching them. Um, but I have not watched them as an adult. That I had not heard that. I am very True intrigued. Story. It's it's like twenty years later, isn't it, for a Psycho two? Like it's in the eighties when they they make the sequel. Well, I believe it is, yeah. But it's you know it's it's a thing out there. It's not even a hot take anymore. People do believe it's you know if they don't think it's better, they think it's you know nearly as good at least because Psycho is an excellent film, but it's another film where you kind of think, well, you don't need a sequel. How do you do a sequel? But they managed wow. to find a story and they had the, the returning guys come back. Um, what's his name? As Norman Bates was back. Uh, Perkins was back. You know, they, they, they really went in, gave us a good film out of it. So yeah, check it out. Maybe even get it, but it won't be black or white though. So to your student, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm definitely going to, uh, have to rewatch this i've been eyeballing the the box set with all four movies for um it's like 25 bucks on amazon and i know i'm a completionist uh i know four is also a tv movie and oddly that's the one i remember the most of the sequels because that's the one that bates motel the tv series seems to really pull from because it's a lot of um him flashing back to his time as a kid with his mom so uh yeah, and I don't know if you know the premise of four, but like he's on a phone call with like a radio DJ, like telling his story. It's really, yeah, it's really dumb. But and again, I saw it yeah. as a kid. I just remember it. Um, but anyways, that's how I've been saying bloody awesome. What about you, bud? Um, mine. I've kind of, I've kind of mentioned it a few times in there. It's half term in the United Kingdom, so it's a uh, schools are off, so the teachers get a word on break, and the kids get a word on break, and the parents get a busy week ahead. So um, I've had a little one a week. And it's just been finding cool things to do during the week to keep a six-year-old entertained. So like I said, we went to the cinema, we sat down and watched Casper, we got the popcorn in, sat there and enjoyed that, um, and then thoroughly brushed our teeth for the dentists out there. Um, 
uh, carved a pumpkin today or jack-o'-lantern sorry which we've kept uh we we've made sure we've uh, added the correct stuff to make sure it doesn't rot uh painted some halloween rocks man we've been out and about went for some walks and just just, just cool fun stuff so it's, it's just nice to take some time off work um obviously spend time with my daughter which is the most important thing uh, and have a, and have a lot of fun and sort of get a chance to um <laughs> however for the last week or so as i've been saying i've some just felt awful so i've i've kind of been sleeping it off in the in the in the night waking up having a full-on day feeling run down by the end of it you know re, uh, rinse repeat but you know i wouldn't change it for the world my friend plus as we've just mentioned i've been able to see quite a few films in and amongst all of that so pretty successful week my friend jb um i guess it's kind of like i don't know spring break for you guys but we have about three or four of them each term each year yeah, they don't you don't have summer vacation is that what it is they do they have we have six weeks over here so wow and a half do you does she get two weeks off at christmas two weeks off at christmas two weeks off at easter a week off in october i think i want to say a week off in october in september as well and, and like a week off here and there during the between january and may as well so um few little as a teacher there. I would like to encourage that America adopt this setup because totally you could use a, a fall break. We would appreciate it very greatly. But, I'm so surprised well, I guess you don't. You don't get a week off in November because you guys don't celebrate Thanksgiving because uh, that's not a holiday for you. Yeah, no, we don't. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, no, we don't. But I wish we did just for the food and the and the ambiance and the family, of course, but the food. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the six weeks holidays is too long because after two or three weeks, it's, it's like, what, what do I do now? Yeah, and I see, for summer we out. get technically eight weeks so it's a little longer for but yeah, I, I wouldn't mind six if we got a week off in october and then november and then two in december um and then we go january february with no break and then it's like end of march we get spring break and then we go for like two more months with no break so it's it's a lot um you yeah, know from your side i imagine it'd be nice to have those extra oh, yeah. breaks and i wouldn't be grudgy for it my friend well that's uh i'm glad man it seems like you've had a good week and it's always fun uh when you get to be with your kid for a while absolutely mate and i get to watch casper and i can't find i cannot find that tweet with that guy but i will find it when he said he cried during casper too i will find my spirit animal out no there, shame man i absolutely cry none whatsoever dude none whatsoever but I, I just found it so odd like you mentioned it's kind of deja vu we're like hold on i felt that too at the same time um but yes casper talk aside as you said that is it for this week's episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, our Black Adam non-spoiler review. Our spoiler review will be out in the next few days, so keep an ear and an eye out for that. And next week, we're coming at you with another horror film. We know it's been a good year for horror. We'll pray for the devil add to the pretty consistent slew of hits for the genre. We're not so sure, or are we? Find out next week when we talk about Pray for the Devil. If you want to let us know what you thought about this episode or Black Adam or Pray for the Devil, you can do that by following us online on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, we are on Facebook. Just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you want to find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and just search what I watch tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd and yourself, John. I am at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Yes, go check John out. And if you like what we're doing here, please consider dropping us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. It helps the show grow, bumps us up the algorithm, gets more people in to talk about film each and every week. 
But with that, as always, guys, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 bl